And we welcome you inside the Sports Ethos Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Kamenti here with you, alongside, as always, the incomparable and all-knowing. Connor, your text just threw me off. I don't know what the hell you're saying. <laughs> the incomparable and all-knowing Jill Adge. We're in a we're in a big meeting right now on, on a, a streaming site. I have no face because my camera doesn't work, but we have four other lovely faces here that are joining us, including Connor Sutton, who threw off my introduction there by texting me something stupid. <laughs> Um, Jill's with us, of course. And then Trevor and, uh, Megan, Megan, what's your last name? Walden shirts. I'm Megaloo on Twitter though. Oh shit. That's who you are. Okay. Thanks for liking my tweets. Um, <laughs> Megan's a, a big Kings fan and a, 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 a frequent, uh, spacer is what we're going to call it with Jill in spaces on Twitter and Trevor can see a, am I saying that right? It's been a while. Kinsella, uh, but Kinsella. again, I haven't answered anything, so it's okay. No, that's a disgrace. I should not say those type of last names. But Trevor's with us as well. So we got some Kings guys and gals, and we're doing a uh, a roundtable. It's our first one in quite a while, but very fitting on this deadline day that we talk as a group. It's not just Jill and I, because that would go on for maybe four hours back and forth. Uh, we get some extra voices. So no format to this, guys. But we're going to start first with Tyrese Halliburton. I want to get this out of the way before we talk about the stuff that's a little bit more positive, that doesn't make us a little angry or sad. So, Megan, it's your first time joining us, uh, at least since I've been doing this with Jill. So we're going to start with you. What was your immediate reaction when Tyrese, when you found out Tyrese was part of the package? I mean, devastation nearing the boogie devastation, right? It just was like... The kid is going to be a superstar as far as I'm concerned. He's amazing. The passing is outstanding. But it took me about 10 minutes to kind of recover and realize that what we got back was worth it. So um, I'm just going to be a Tyrese Halliburton fan for the rest of my life. And, and that's fine. And I'm totally down with that. You know, like I can fan a team and as many players as I want. And that's good. Oh, yeah. Concern. Okay. So overall emotion in one word, how would you describe it? I mean, shock, I guess that was probably it. I think it was just shock. Okay. I think that's, I think we would all agree that we're probably shocked. Uh, Trevor, how are you feeling? How are you feeling now? How are you feeling? Give me the whole rundown. Uh, well, you know, I guess I've gone through all the seven stages of grief to an extent, but, but yes, last night's game did definitely speed up that <laughs> the stages a little. Um, I was very angry when I, when I first thought about it, you know, when I first got the, the information, but, um, you know, it kind of started to try to talk myself into the positives. And, uh, I mean, I'll just be honest. I don't think I'm ever going to, I'm, I'm going to be bummed about Halliburton no matter what. I, I mean, I think it's easy. I think everybody always wants to kind of take a side as like, you know, if the trade was good or bad. And I think even if we see the good of the trade, which I'm really starting to understand, I think why it was done. And I think I even understood that at the beginning. Um, but I just, I, you know, I really would have liked for Hallie to be along on the ride with us. <laughs> you just the kind of guy that you, you know, you want to, you know, celebrate with a, a parade and a banner, you know, you want him to be a part of that. So it was, it's a bummer that he won't be, um, but, uh, you know, just sometimes tough decisions have to be made and uh, kind of just wait, kind of a wait and see approach to see if it was ultimately a good decision. But 
definitely, you know, excited about uh, Sabonis and, and just kind of what that brings, a uh, different element to the team, but uh, very sad that, that Hallie won't be along with us. <laughs> yeah, we're all, I would think as Kings fans, rather rash in how we feel, which is the immediate, like we're so emotional so quickly uh, because we've just been hurt so many times. I think that's just the result of that. Connor, and then we'll close it out with Jill. Connor, what are you, we were talking a little earlier today, so I'm curious. We don't think we actually even touched on this. I don't, yeah, I don't know if we did either, but I think the, uh, the overwhelming feeling that I have is, uh, is I don't know how to feel about it until give me six months, give me more time. Right. Cause like in reactionary, of course you're upset Halliburton's leaving. And then last night, like that's the, the, the roller coaster of emotions Kings fans have had in the last, uh, you know, 48 hours has been wild. Right. And some people now like the move who didn't like the move earlier and they understand it a little bit more, but like, I don't think you can fully um, evaluate this move until you're, I mean, a year, maybe two years out um, because we don't know what Halliburton's ceiling is, right? Like that's the big question. Um, And I know we can talk about fit and all those other things, um, but it just felt like you don't, you're, I get why they did it. I understand. I understand, but I also understand why the Pacers did it. I actually think it it might be a win-win, but I also feel like Halliburton with Rick Carlisle, uh, is going to just thrive. Um, and so I, I'm excited for him to kind of get that. Uh, but I'm ex- also excited to see Sabonis um, in Sacramento. He's a great passing big. And I think uh, that's a underappreciated art uh, in basketball. And it's also a huge skill as we've seen Jokic, who was MVP last year is probably a great example of a guy who can pass. Now I'm not comparing those two together, but um, yeah, I'm excited to see the future of, of the Kings core Um I also like some of the guys they got back, um, uh, not just Sabonis, um, but we can, I mean, obviously you're going to get to the other trades here shortly, but I I'm encouraged, um, but still don't know how I feel because we have to wait and see. Before real quick, Jill, you go, I, I had a buddy text me last night after the game and he said, watching Sabonis work as he did in that offense, which was pretty much without structure, but, you know, try and get him the ball at some point to kind of facilitate and dictate what, where the ball goes. He said that was very much Chris Weber vibes of just, we're running it through this guy and we're going to let him set us up and feed us. And that's high praise of course for Sabonis. And that's too early to say that he'll have that type of impact, but it's not hard to see how this offense can really click and even take it to another level. Cause they've been a good offensive team, but take it to another level with Sabonis being the trigger man now playing off of Fox. It's exciting. And the guy definitely has ridiculous core vision. Jillian, what say you? Yeah, I mean, and I I will repeat what everyone else is saying, that I was shocked and that I figured if anyone was going to be sent out, it would be Fox. Um, But I also remember hearing, you know, on Monday that, you know, there was a report that came out, whether it's true or not, that Indiana said they didn't want Fox. So, again, um, I will go back to a Dave Lack tweet that he sent out today saying that, He was reminded of something he once heard a GM say. When you have a chance to get better, you have to do it when the chance arrives. I saw a lot of people saying, you know, why do it now? Why not wait till the summer? Well, I feel like we that's what we criticized Danny Ainge for, for what, four years? Like, it was always wait, wait, wait. When you're a bottom team and you have a chance to get a two-time All-Star and the chance is now, I can understand taking that risk, right? And 
I mean, we'd been talking about this for multiple episodes. Um, I wanted to see him do something, right? The pieces weren't working, right? We know. Um, none of us, again, expected it to be Halliburton. But we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But if I can, in the future, look back on this, like I looked back at Jason Williams as saying, you were so much fun, but you were the piece, you were one of the pieces that, you know, s- helped start us down that road to changing our organization, then I'm going to, you know, still love you forever. Like you were a piece that helped allow our organization to start, you know, that next step of building something. Um no matter what Halliburton does. Like to me, if the organization makes the playoffs and actually starts doing something, it's a win regardless of what Halliburton's career ends up doing. Because to me, I'm worried about is the org not a dumpster fire anymore, right? Like I don't know how long it would have taken if we would have sold everything off and do Halliburton. I know I had been preaching about that, you know, for the last how many episodes. But I also can't really knock on a GM that finally took the swing that he's been talking about just because I didn't necessarily think it was going to be the pieces that, you know, were expected in it. If he goes and shows that he can build something with this, then kudos to him. And it doesn't, you know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as we keep saying who's here um, to help, you know, that along, because all we want to see is fun basketball and and some wins, right? Which we ended up seeing last night. As a fan, at the end of the day, that's all, you know what I mean? Like, that's all I want. And so, um, you know, it's, again, like, I'll go back to that, that if you have the chance to do it and the chance was now, I can't fault the guy for not taking it. You know, as a GM, you only have so many years in this job. And so I, when the, when the swing comes... Yeah, he he took it and and he, you know, was groomed under Maury where these guys are assets like, you know, we've seen it play out for how long. Um, And that had to have been probably the hardest asset, I would assume, for him to give up because that was the first real thing he did here and was credited for. Um, But you know what? He he had the balls to do it. So, um, you know, I really I hope it works. I was going to say at the very beginning, you know, be careful what you wish for. And I know a lot of people have said this and said it right after. Everyone bitched that Monty McNair wasn't doing anything. Everyone was making the jokes and the memes about him sitting on his throne as the general manager making the money, doing nothing. Finally, he did something and he just went so, like, shook us all to the core, our core. He just balls to the walls. Monty McNair said, all right, you want it? Let's do it. And this is what we get. And it, it is kind of like ground shaking type of a trade. And I, it took me so long to find this tweet because I've liked so many tweets in the past two days. But I found this, and Jill, I'm sure you saw it. I think you might have commented on it. Someone pointed out that fans hated, and there's a lot of these in the Kings history in Sacramento, trades that we originally were so anti, so against. And the guy listed the Pacers Stryakovich draft pick, trading Corliss Williamson, fan favorite future coach for the Kings, for Doug Christie, also a fan favorite future coach. And, of course, Jay Will for Bibby, uh, trading Mitch Richmond for Chris Webber, and then giving Vladi Divac the biggest contract, free agent contract at the time. Those were all moves that people, the Bibby and Jay Will one, I think is a top that list of like, everyone was like, why would you do that? Jay Will was that era of Kings 
in the beginning, and then it became Bibby's era of kinks. But there, there's a lot of examples. So now I guess my second question for you guys, and you can start with whoever, where does this rank trading Tyrese in that group or even others if you have others like trading DeMarcus? Where does it rank for you guys in terms of like your shock or just, you know, how much it shook up the team? I personally think it's impossible to grade until we're like two to four years out, you know, like I, I could say, I mean, as far as it being shocking to me, it's second only to Boogie. I would say Boogie was slightly more shocking because I was like, there's no way they're going to trade him in the middle of an all-star game. That's, you know, I mean, it was timing and everything else. And then it didn't seem to like solidify a direction to me. Whereas this, to me, it's solidifying the direction. It's saying we're, like, I think in our spaces that on Twitter a lot, we were like, what timeline are we on? Are we on De'Aaron's timeline? Are we on Tyrese's timeline? Like, when are we going to start getting better? And, you know, and then there was the people who were like, well, let's just tank and get a good draft pick and let's do that. You know, but now it's like, no, this is Monty's timeline. This is, he was on the hot seat. He had to do balls to the wall, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to yeah. save his job. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think he would have made it through a rebuild, right? I don't I, yeah. think so. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. I can't imagine. Like, a rebuild is like a three- to four-year thing, right? I mean, so to me, this is him. I think what he pitched when he came in is, I'm going to make this team better with what we already have on the table. I'm going to trade the assets that we build up to to get us to a place that we can get to the playoffs. And I think that's what he did. I hope that's what he did. I think that's what the fans want too, even though some of them probably still want a high draft pick. Um, I just don't think that we have the attention span for long periods of bad basketball in Sacramento anymore. I think this year proved that to me anyway. Good point. I think we're all miserable. Connor? Uh, you were talking about the trades, uh, the the trades that people fans were unhappy with at the time that turned out great. Uh, there is a significantly longer list of trades that fans were unhappy with that didn't work out. Uh, so I just I want know, to point that, was, that out. That was the comment, the top comment beneath that tweet that I okay. blatantly ignored on purpose was that list. But thank you for pointing that. All out. right, I'm just making sure. I'm again, <laughs> no, I'm the devil, devil's advocate guy. You're a shit uh, franchise. So, no kidding. The list is longer for the bad than the good. Well, I just mean that there's two two sides of that coin. I think the, uh, you know, has been like, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, I'm excited to see Sabonis. I think he's in, I've enjoyed watching him when he played for Indiana, obviously, because he's just a guy that's fun to watch. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this team comes together. And I think you guys are right. Like, it's probably Monty McNair had to make a move uh, to make to make something happen for this season because this season has been pretty. I mean, basically the 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 other thing he could do is do nothing. Right. And then you wait, hopefully get a good draft pick and see if that fits together or you trade away another piece. So I think, I mean, you think about all the things that were traded today or throughout, it was James Harden, Ben Simmons. I don't think Sacramento was going to have a chance at either one of those uh, because of they were traded for each other. Right. Even though that was in the works, but it sounded like Maury wanted a ton and he got quite a bit. This was the other best player to be traded today. And, um, I think that's important too, is like Sacramento got a pretty solid, solid player uh, who I think I saw he's, he mentioned that he's going to try and go after Cat's spot in the, in the all-star game next year, which even to think about that is wild. I mean, we, the last all-star we had was boogie and that feels like an eternity ago. So 
Uh, I'm just excited for that. Again, passing bigs, I think, opens up everything. I really think it changes everything. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the Rashawn Holmes piece of this because I don't know exactly how that really goes together. I don't even think I'm answering your question, but um, that's okay. Very open ended. I just yeah, I want right. to know where you guys ranked it. You know, like what would you what trade like was bigger a bigger deal to you than this? I guess would have been a better way to phrase it. Um, but you know, whatever. I mean, I think when I think the King it's hard because we're so far removed from those. Yeah, two. that's a good point. I mean, the Kevin point. Martin, the Tyreek Evans yeah. trades at the time were like pretty, pretty like jaw dropping. Um, I couldn't even tell you who we got back for those guys. That's how Andres Nozioni was in there somewhere. See, I, I think remember. the shock of like not thinking it was going to happen. Like I knew we had heard like his name out there, right? Because we had heard him and Fox's name out like for six months, I feel like. Um, but, and what do we always say? The moves that he makes are the ones that have like no, no peep to it. And so, um, like, and, and that kind of was like the boogie one, right? Like it was like, like really, I remember getting the text. I was like out to dinner at McCoonie's and I was like, the all-star games on like, wait, what? He's giving an interview. Like what's going on? Um, so I think just the shock of that, like there was no whispers, like, and everyone seemingly like was um, shocked. So I mean, it's got to be high up there, just in the the shock factor of not necessarily thinking it could happen. But um, I mean, when you yeah, like you were saying, when you look up what Philly like Philly gave up for Harden, who like is in his thirties and hurt, like halfway hurt. I mean, two first round picks. I mean, Curry. Plus cement, like, I mean, and we gave up, you know, Buddy who's making more than Sabonis. Um, and ha- like Callie's the hurt one, but like it's still a shock that we didn't have to give out like any draft picks. Like, I know we can say Halliburton was a draft pick, but like draft picks are gold here and we didn't have to give any of that up. So, I mean, that alone was like holy. Trevor. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm thinking about the the boogie thing. Um, I was at Shady Lady and I remember I had a DeMarcus Cousins shirt on at the time and I was just like, but I'm wearing a shirt. You can't trade him. Like, like I got to go home and take this off now. But um, that was probably more um, shocking to me. And maybe, maybe in some ways a little bit, it, I mean, it's hard to say because with DeMarcus, we were emotionally invested, but we'd also spent like so much time around him. And he was like the centerpiece of the team. With Halliburton, I mean, he was kind of a part of like a two-headed monster, but and and there was probably more of an emotional side, like not even for his play on the court, which is also really good, but just kind of him as a person. So it kind of just hit differently. I don't know if it was necessarily more shocking or just kind of sad. But uh, I think, though, that what this this Halliburton move may, may have done was uh, maybe just kind of might be a more important move in the long run. I mean, I guess the, the boogie trade was important just because it was kind of symbol, symbolized the end of the era. But it kind of was like, OK, this is the first step in like rebuilding everything. But this was sort of like the first step in being like, OK, we're going for it and we're not going to just base our whole team around a bunch of guards. Like now we have a big man. We're going to this is going to be our, you know, two two headed approach of like a, a guard and a big man. And we still have our draft picks like it just kind of showed kind of like, I mean, there were still some question marks of what's going to happen and there's still a lot that can happen this off season, but it, it I think it just kind of set the the franchise on a certain course. Um, 
which I think is an important move. So I think, I mean, we'll see where it goes, <laughs> which direction it goes in. But I think it was just a really important uh, move in that way. You just kind of set a course down and now we'll just kind of see how it plays out. Um, but, you know, getting, it's not every day you can uh, acquire a, a young all-star, you know, and not just a Vince Carter, you know, somebody that like an all-star 10 years ago, but someone who's young and is sort of, you know, just getting into their prime. So um, it's very exciting in that regard. Uh, obviously, still with the sadness of, of, of Halliburton leaving uh, factored in. I, I just think it was kind of an important move in that in that aspect. We definitely swung the pendulum of emotion in just less than like 24 hours. We went from being all mad and angry and sad. No one, and I was joking about this with a friend of mine, everyone was acting like DeMontis Sabonis was trash or that he wasn't involved in the trade. They also, no one ever talked about Buddy Heald, which I think was on purpose because <laughs> he's not worth talking about. But everyone focused so much on Tyrese and acting like Tyrese, and he's very good. But we're acting like they had traded like Michael Jordan. You know, you would have well, thought. yeah. What was funny to me is like I understood JJ Redick just because they're close, right? They do the podcasts and stuff together. And so he was, you know, defending his guy and I he think he you know, the sky's the limit for him in his eyes and I don't disagree. But for the other ones I thought it was funny because it's not like they had been talking about him like at least that I can remember. Um and then all of a sudden it was like <laughs> I saw some of the other media like, um, did I not know that he was MJ? Like all of a sudden, like what just happened? Suddenly, um, Jalen Rose is number one president of the Halliburton fan club. Even though he <laughs> while, he, while he's getting fan. DNPs, no, <laughs> so nothing about like, him. But suddenly, he's his biggest fan. I mean, like mock us because we're used to it, but it, like at least give facts for it. Yeah, that was so that's so bad. And so many people watch that stuff. So like people who don't pay attention would go away legitimately believing that. So it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. I think for me, like within the trade, there was like an emotional roller coaster even because it was like, Oh my God, Tyrese. And then I read the rest of the trade and I'm like, buddy, thank God, Tristan, thank God. Like, so it was like, Oh, how did he sneak these two like bad contracts under the one great thing you're giving up? Right. So it was like, yeah, I totally think the sky's the limit for Tyrese. Like I said, I think he is going to be a multi-time all-star, but it wasn't working. We were not winning. So it just comes down yeah. to that. But I also think trying to be objective, I think that Monty won the trade. You know what I mean? in in terms of outcome for the team. Um, and that obviously remains to be seen and we're Sacramento, so I could be super duper wrong, <laughs> which it happens quite a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. But as of today, like, yeah, he came out getting the better player, I would say arguably as of today. Right. And that's to him. Right. That's all that he is. That's all a GM necessarily is, is worried about, let alone in Sacramento, because you don't know like when you could be gone. And so you're trying to build what you're trying to build while getting a guy that fits with your other, you know, centerpiece that you just paid last year. Like if, if you can get an all-star to help unlock the guy you just paid to, like, I mean, that can be a win, a win in itself. Um, you're seeing it in Houston with, you know, a rookie in Sangoon. And, and Jalen Green, how much better he is when Sangoon is on the floor and off the floor. And a bunch of people were comparing Sangoon to Sabonis 
last year with their styles of how they just unlock the game for the people around them based on, you know, their court vision. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, for years during the glory years and, you know, in one game again last night, you could feel it where you had guys cutting and passing that had been standing in a corner for, you know, <laughs> a half a season. Um, and sometimes last season, like depending on if they were on the team or not. But I also feel like, did anybody else kind of feel like there was almost like a black cloud kind of lifted and at least in mood or energy wise, because not in Tyrese, obviously, but you got guys out that didn't want to be here anymore, right? That they were done. They'd made it known like they they didn't want to be here. And so it almost seemed kind of like a different energy where it was like, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I can can buy into what, you know, try and buy into what you're doing. And that for a GM, I would imagine that's, you know, what you're trying to build as well. Yeah. I mean, I have a running conspiracy theory that De'Aaron's ankle, you know, hurt until Buddy was gone. I mean, I think playing with Buddy and I I don't dislike Buddy. I think he's an amazing catch and shoot shooter. Um, as long as somebody can use him right, I just think he became such a ball stopper and was like a, taking up so much of the team energy and chemistry that there was no way you could break through it and win. And um, so I know that's pretty harsh um, to it's say true, about somebody, but and just the fact that also the Ben Simmons thing seemed to like hang like a dark cloud over this franchise in particular like all season where it was like everybody was always in jeopardy of being traded for Ben Simmons, you know? So that can't be great for guys mentals as they say, you know, but I, I don't know. I hope that I think last night's game was so exciting and that kind of stunning passing that Tyrese had DeMontis also has, and maybe more so, and it's a little bit more advanced and it's a little bit spicier. And that is Sacramento basketball, as far as I'm concerned, is passing, cutting, moving. So I'm really excited. I hope it sustains. Connor, would you like to add anything to this? I'm curious. I have a question. this This is a question for Jill. If you, would you have done this trade? Like I said yesterday, wasn't necessarily the path I would have chosen, but I can understand why he did it. But I also don't know what else was on or off the table right. um, or in what kind of position he was in. I mean, um, because I had been talking about I thought they would completely go, you know, the other direction. But if that was not flat out, not an option, then I can understand why he went the way he did. Um and again, like, I can't fault the guy for going after an all-star, but it's not necessarily the path I would have chosen. But if it works out, hallelujah. <laughs> it might not have been the path that he chose either, too. I mean, he might have. That's you know. that's fair, too. Yeah. I mean, this place can't continue to bleed money. Like, we mm-hmm. all know that, too. They've been extending the season ticket, you know, opt-in stuff that normally happens in like December, January, it's been pushed out to like March, April. Like they're trying to get people back in there and granted it's a business. They're trying to do it. And so from that standpoint, like I get it. We're 15 years in it's their money. Like that's, you know, as, as fans, we get frustrated 
And I think it's completely different, at least like from when I was growing up where, I mean, we couldn't go online and look and see how people were building teams or how, you know what I mean? Like the ins and outs of, of things. It was like, you'd hear it on the news, you'd read it in the newspaper or catch it on sports center or something like that. But now that there's so many things accessible, you know, to everybody, um, we all do like to be the armchair GMs. And so, um, but I think there's still just, we keep being told you get like 5% of the information of, you know, like what really goes on, um, you know, behind the scenes there. And in this place, like we always say, I would love to be a fly because I would love to hear the conversations that, that, that happened there. And so, I mean, yeah, like you just never, you, you never know. And it, you know what, like people seemed excited there last night. And so, you know, if they can keep doing that, like my nieces and nephews want to want to go to a game now, like they saw that the 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 tickets weren't that expensive now. And it was like, well, hey, can we go again? Because I don't have my season tickets anymore, which is how they usually go. Um, can you take me to a game now? And yes. so, it's I mean, people saw that people saw them last night and were like, that looks fun. Like it actually looked like fun basketball to go watch. Um, and that's kind of half the battle, at least when you're trying to sell to a fan, because plenty of fans don't look into the stuff that we look at either. Like they just want to go watch a basketball game and, and it's entertainment. They don't really care about the ins and outs of, of how you build or what you're doing. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they sold a lot of people on, you know, what a two-time all-star and, and how you saw the game be played yesterday. And you went and got some wings today, right? Like you got some six, six, seven, six, eight, uh, six, nine guys. I mean, who play defense and rebound. It's, you know, um, yeah, it, 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 it could be exciting again. And we kept saying the puzzle the pieces didn't work here. There's a whole new set of puzzle pieces now. Um, <laughs> that that we get to watch again that we had it had you know had only seen sporadically um on tv so all right new question for you we'll start with trevor on this one outside of sabonis because sabonis is the obvious guy that he's the centerpiece of everything the kings did who's the next guy in line who you're pumped about having who, who who's the acquisition is it is it just as simple as dante or do you are you a huge josh jackson guy you a fan of trey lyles like i don't or Justin Hall. I mean, there's five other dudes. There's six in total, five outside of Sabonis that have been added now to this roster. Who's the other guy that pumps you up, Trevor? Um, you know, I, I'm probably most intrigued by Dante just because he, you know, we, we were teased about getting him a couple years ago and it's always been in the back of my mind. Like what if, you know, like, um, and obviously there's some things have changed since, you know, he's gone through an injury and you know, all that, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, he's a guy who can really bring defense. And, uh, you know, I mean, with the exception of Sabonis, it, it seems like the people that Monty has been bringing in, you know, over the last year or so are people that do provide a little bit more of a defensive presence, even if it hasn't really shown itself yet with some of the people that were here, you know, the last few months. But I, I, it, there's kind of a certain type that it seems like we're, we're kind of trying to change the tide of. It just hasn't worked out yet. So I, I think, you know, with Davion and, uh, you know, bringing Dante in, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see, maybe, you know, maybe some teams can come in and not necessarily just run all over the gym. Um, so, you know, once Dante gets healthy, um, 
you know, and is really able to get back into a rhythm, whether that's some point this season or maybe next season, assuming we can, um, I think he's a restricted free agent, but I am hoping we can hang on to him. Um, you know, just kind of see what, what, where things can go with that. So, I mean, I'm sort of intrigued by a lot of pieces. I, I liked Jeremy Lamb too. Um, and, and I didn't actually even, I, granted, I, I'll admit the holiday brothers, I mostly just focus on Drew. I, I didn't realize that Justin had been starting for most of the season with the Pacers and, um, you know, looking at his three point percentage, you know, there, there's, you know, so I'm not surprised he was starting at the two yesterday. And so I'm intrigued by him as well. But if I had to pick one person, I'd probably go with Dante at this at this stage, just because I, we can finally see it play out um, Dante in a Kings uniform the way we wanted a couple of years ago. Someone else speak. I don't, I don't like having to pick on you guys. Be anxious to talk like I always am. All right, I I will I'll go next. Uh, so when we when we talk, I don't know when I was on the beginning of the season, we were talking about tenth and eleventh guys and how that mattered, right? And I think, and as bad as this sounds, uh, as as fun as Ramsey and Woodard were to talk about, like having a few <laughs> extra pieces in depth at the bottom of the roster really matters, um, and that's I think what got better. I feel like honestly. Uh, that has been Sacramento's biggest weaknesses. Anytime we had like a, one guy out, it felt like there was a significant drop in the level of the bottom of the rotation. And I feel like uh, this has been drastically improved. I don't know exactly how the rotation is going to look. Um, the biggest thing I'm worried about is rim protection, which uh, we haven't had all season much, but Damian Jones has kind of provided a little bit of that. But uh, the wing depth, uh, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be excellent. There's a few guys. I mean, I really like Trey Lyles. Um, I, I mean, I shouldn't say really like. I like him, um, but he's he's a guy. I know. I sorry. Let's let's calm down here. Um, but he he's got length. Um, his three point percentage I wish could be a little higher, uh, but defensively I think he's going to be a big asset for Sacramento in a spot where they have been just bleeding defensively. Um, and that matters. To back up off of that point on Lyles and Jackson, um, their uh, block percentages, they're in the high 70th percentile. And Lyles alone, his uh, rim defense frequency, which means like shots contested at the rim, 96th percentile in the league. And Jackson is 78th percentile. Um, and then they're both uh, around 90% for defensive rebounding. So like just between those two alone, that's something that we have not had. And Sabonis was up there too. So even if you're not blocking it, you're at least contesting. So kind of half the battle. Yeah, I think I'm just excited about length, girth. You know, I'm excited about size because we didn't have any. And I felt like it was really, really hurting us. And I am excited to see Dante's defense. Hopefully we get a little bit more perimeter defense too. Just I noticed when Domo was in the middle, that even just like helps clear the lane a little bit for people, for guys to feel like they can run out on the arc to defend. So I would say that's, and then I was really impressed with Holiday's interviews that he gave last night. He was just cerebral and engaging. And I just love guys like that. Like Mo's one of my favorite players on the team right now, where they just they're just basketball players, you know, they're just role players. And I just admire guys who have just honed a role, you know, they do what they do and that's it. They talk when they're on the court and they get everyone else engaged. 
And I think that's super important. So Mo might be the happiest person that Buddy Healed is gone. Oh Lord. <laughs> Mo's that like, thank God. Oh my. Um, and also Mo Harkless. I agree with you, Megan. The district He was all smiles on the bench yesterday. Yeah. I don't know no, I mean <laughs> they were all having fun. They were all all smiles and coincidence. No, uh Mo should have been playing, you know, shouldn't have had all these DNPs that he's had this year. It made no sense. The guy is one of those, we've done a podcast pretty much on this, an episode on this, Joe, about the glue guys, the guys that just help kind of hold crap together when things may not work. Mo Harkless is like the definition of a glue guy. And he's been playing a lot better recently in terms of how he's putting up numbers, actually scoring, rebounding, pushing his, like what he does a little bit further. So Mo Harkless, when he is back, I, I think for me, is your unquestioned four now next to Sabonis with Barnes at the three, DiVincenzo at two, and then Fox at the one. I think that's their best starting five, although Holiday might make an argument to be playing. Matsu should not be starting now. Um, I guess that could be a question is, you know, who should be in that starting five. But uh, much love to Mo Harkless because he's an underrated player of, on this team, and he's going to be relied upon, I think, going down the rest of this season. Yeah, it, it gives a lot of options, right? Like, or at least mm-hmm. seemingly um, where you can interchange some guys. But back to your um, point to make on defenses, Dante's actually in the 86th percentile in deflections um, when well, it comes to defense and 81% in offensive rebounding. So again, like rebounding and then a little bit of defense. Like, And that's one thing with Dante, at least prior to like injury and even more so, I would say, there are times, you know, we've seen the flashes when he's come back when I've watched it on league pass and stuff, but it was always his defense, right? Like that was his, his niche. And then he could hit shots. It just wasn't necessarily consistent, but he's also a guy who's not out there forcing bad shots, like where he's not over shooting, like he will play within that role. Um, And so all of these guys seemingly seem to be those kind of guys where it's, they understand kind of their lane and they don't necessarily try and do too much. And I think that was a nice part of yesterday's game is we didn't see anyone like, I never felt like there was a part in the game where it was like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> like where um, you felt that people stayed within themselves. And I think Lamb might've had a, a, a couple shots and he even said like he tried to force it. And then he said, and then I stopped, like I realized where it was like, okay, settle down, um, which is understandable for a new guy. Um, But the fact that he even said he realized it and then kind of stopped, I was like, like, there we go. (laughs) Like, that's been half our battle, I feel like. Buddy, like every single game, just keep shooting, keep shooting. Oh, my God. So I think we can handle, like, I'm totally fine if someone goes out and takes two to three bad shots. I have no problem with that. It's taking 13, you know. (laughs) It's like, oh, Lord. Yeah. But also the rebounding. I'm really excited for the rebounding. It was like seemed effortless. So I think we won rebounds by like almost 20 last night. And I didn't notice anyone rebounding. You know what I mean? Whereas like before it was like, oh, my God, we got to get Marvin in the game because we have no rebounding. Like, which is if you need like one guy to be in charge of rebounding, it's problematic. But if one guy is getting rebounds and and uh, pushing the ball out, it's just so much easier, you know? And I, I don't want to overrate rebounds because I know they're not, you know, they're only worth like a third of a point or something, but 
the more possessions you can have and the higher efficiency shooting. That's the other main thing I really saw last night is you don't have to take every bad three-point shot there is, especially when you're shooting like 31%, like take some shots from the lane. And so having Sabonis in there is just so key in terms of higher efficiency shots. You know, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah. And to your point about the rebounds, it was like they got the rebound and then immediately threw it up the court. Like there was no lag at all too. And that, I mean, we'll see if that continues, but that was pretty evident last night where it was like, as soon as you rebounded it, like they got it moving. Um, And that was everyone. And even Mitchell had a super where by the end, I was like, I did not even realize he had that stat line Um, where it was like 18, seven and six or eight and six. Like, I mean, it was very like within the flow and I was like, oh, dang. Okay. Um, Where again, like Sabonis just seemed to, to open up that game. It's similar to like, we'll keep saying Tyrese seemed to open that up, you know, somewhat for Mitchell when, when they had those, you know, that streak of games together. Um, And then we saw it last night. So we'll see if that continues. But again, like to have a guy that continues to help make other people better that will do wonders here. Davion too looks night and day different from how he was just honestly a couple weeks ago. He he's, Aggressive. He's getting to that comfort level that it takes rookies time to get to. Uh, we all thought of Davion from the get-go as just this consummate pro, which is true, but he was a rookie, and he is a rookie. So the guys deserve time, and now he's he's getting that rhythm. Uh, would it be fair to say that all of us are now back in on watching the Kings and like we're, we're excited about basketball again, whereas last week – I personally, I hate, I mean, I, I wasn't even paying attention. It would make me mad to think about anything Kings related. Cause I just, it would depress me. Are we all back in Connor? Yeah. You're looking at Do you have something you want to throw? Yeah. Out? I mean, listen, I, I'm back in, uh, anytime you share the ball and you pass the ball like that and you, the ball movement, um, it's way more fun to watch. Uh, I, I mean, if you watch the Rockets on League Pass for a few years ago, uh, it made you want to blow your brains out. And they were getting wins, but it was not fun to watch. Um, so I'm excited to see the ball movement. Um, I hope it continues. It was just one game, so I'm trying not to overreact. Um, but I'm very, very excited um, to see how Sabonis kind of opens up that offense. And like <clears throat> some of the high post passing, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, so, I, I'm, yeah, I think I'm back in. Megan? Meg. I never left. I've been watching all the games. I haven't turned one off yet. But my son, who normally watches all the games with me, has been out for probably like a month and a half. He's been like, yeah, whatever. I'm done, you know, at halftime and stuff. And he sat and watched the whole game with me last night. So that was a joy. And I mean, that's part of what basketball is about for me, too. It's like family and having it be an event. You know what I mean? So I'm, yeah. I, I'm really, really excited about what could happen here. Yeah, I, I was never really out per se, but I just, I mean, I was more of a hate watch. <laughs> I mean, and I would turn the games off occasionally if it was getting out of hand down by 30 or something. I'd just be like, well, let me just go find something else to do. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually, you know, looking forward to the next game again, you know, I was actually, and I've been talking with a couple of friends today and uh, who are Kings fans who are kind of down on the team and they're feeling the same way. It's like, 
I can't wait, you know, too bad there aren't any home games. I, you know, you don't want to wait till Saturday to see how this all plays out. And I think, you know, people are, you know, probably trying to temper their expectations. I don't know if we're necessarily expecting some kind of quick turnaround just because you swapped a few people out on the roster. But, you know, I feel like this is something that's a little bit different than just, you know, picking up some G League guy. It's like, oh, he's going to get a few minutes, you know, new face. Let's see what he does. It's like, it's kind of a different identity. It's uh, it's not focusing on a bunch of guards. I, I mean, it, obviously getting rid of Buddy, I think, lifts a cloud in many ways. But I think it's also, you know, I feel like in some ways we relied on the three-point shot and Buddy especially. Like, well, we're down by 20, but, you know, Buddy might get hot and bring us back. And then he didn't, and then we lost. So I think this kind of forces the team to be a little more creative. And, and we're not just kind of a live and die by the three kind of team anymore. I mean, at first I was thinking... I think we need some more shooters, but then, you know, I, I mean, I think that's still the case to a point, but I'm kind of glad we don't have too many shooters because then I think we just kind of rely on them. It's like, well, we'll just chuck up some threes and maybe we'll get back in the game. Like it, there's just more of a, a creative, uh, you know, I think we can be a little bit cre more creative. And I mean, and I think it said something yesterday that we, we bring these guys in who basically met their teammates within the last 24 hours with no game plan no coaching really or anything just kind of like hey just go out and play basketball and they put like a beautiful product out on the court and um i mean i'm hoping once they actually start formulating plans it doesn't change any of that like but i think it was kind of like don't overthink it just play basketball do which bet what's best and uh, you know play within yourself and just see what happens and i think it was a good sign that it, it went the way it did and we'll see how that keeps up but yeah i'm totally back in and i'm just kind of eager to see how it all plays out as these guys get practices and they get more comfortable with each other and that sort of thing yeah well you know i didn't leave either it was hard to watch but i, I still watch <laughs> but the other thing i was thinking too is it's every person like every player he got minus maybe jackson um has been with like a successful franchise like in like recently i mean lyles was started with the spurs and then was with the jazz and then got paid you know um by detroit like that's i think it was this season he signed the two-year deal um dante right has has been growing under the bucks this whole time sabonis holiday and lamb you know we're on the playoffs with each other with the pacers like it's I mean, and then Lamb was with OKC, you know, prior to that, um, you know, before they were tank like when they weren't tanking. And so, I mean, like these guys all know what it takes and they seemingly are smart basketball players, right? Like Holiday even mentioned that um, yesterday that like we were able to come in and play because like we're smart basketball players. Like we just went in and play basketball, like what we knew what to do um, and how to work with these guys. And so... Yeah, it was it was fun. Like it was fun. Um, and I hope it continues to be fun because at the end of the day, as a fan, like I'll keep saying it, like that's what I want. And like with you, Meg, like, I mean, I had my dad FaceTiming from Colorado, like, oh my god, like that was a blast. Like we haven't seen yeah. that in a long time, you know, and it gave something to talk about. Um and so like for me, like that's how I became a fan night. in the first place. Just like, I, I mean, I, you know, the old Arco and like the roof is falling in on you and like that it was completely full and everybody's like pounding their feet on the ground and setting sound barriers and stuff. That's fun. That's an event that's worth going to. So if there's something fun on the court yeah. to watch, like that's just going to be fantastic. I think for the city, for the team, all around, you know. 
I watched that yeah. uh, Davion Mitchell fast break dunk like ten times. I think I just that for some reason that play specifically was ultimate hype. And it, the Arco Arena thing, like you said, make that. I mean, Gentry said that in post game. Like that was that, he said that was Arco Arena. Like reminded me of Arco Arena. Arco Arena vibes. What that was like, and that that's a huge, obviously a huge statement and a and a compliment to make in any type of not just relation to the Kings. I think if you were to make that to another basketball team, like it feels like Arco Arena in here, that's the ultimate, like, hell yeah. Like, that's awesome. That's what you want. Yeah. You want that type of It wasn't of even that full either. Did you see what Holiday said after the game too to Moak? He did the the post game with him and Moak was asking him about it. And he was like, oh, I grew, I grew up in LA. Like, I know how that's this crowd gets. Like, it, it was funny. Like, you don't have to tell me. Like, <laughs> I, I've been around this place plenty. Um, you know, at least growing up, he he saw. It's know, so hard to hope so. as a Kings fan. Like, it's been yeah. so long. But just even thinking about a first, even if we got did like one round of playoffs, the Cowbells, the Doko, mm. like it would just be so phenomenal in every level, you know. Yeah. So and you want I, the players to have fun playing the game again, too. And they did not look like they had they were having fun playing basketball like the last yeah. month. Like they, you know, they did not Um, and so it was nice to see at least on their end, like smiles and look like it was like, dang, like this is, you know, I remember what it was like to have fun again, playing the game. Yeah. Um, and, and not lose. Cause like, you know, as much as we talk about the tanking and doing all that stuff too, like players and coaches aren't going out with that mindset. Like that's a horrible them. Like no one wants to go through that on their end. Let alone if you're on a team and that's not what your plan was going into it. And now it's just like you're the punchline of every joke. Um, you know, that's you're getting paid, but it's still not fun. Like because it's your career at the end of the day, too. Like whether you stay here or go somewhere else, you still want to develop those good habits um, I will, and know how to handle things. I will say that if someone hasn't already begun to make a fox and ox shirt with that it's not even a photo. It was a screenshot <laughs> of the video of Fox hugging DeMontis. <laughs> like, that's a great moment. And also just wildly hilarious because it was so innocent by De'Aaron. And he's obviously not thinking too much about it. But that hug for sure was like a sincere, God, thank you so much. Like, you, like he was hugging a prayer that was answered. It was a two-hand. It was not like a hey. It was <laughs> like, it's quicker when you watch it in video. But, like, it is one of those hugs where you're like, wow, that felt like an eternity. And – for De'Aaron, that was what was great for me to see was De'Aaron looking like he had a little bit of a weight off his shoulder, which he does now. He doesn't have to do this all by himself. He has some help. And the other play that happened that got me, I watched this several times just to catch the background in what Sabonis was doing. When Fox ripped the ball away from Edwards and ran down the court, just fast break. If you guys notice Sabonis turning around and just put like waving his hand, like go, go. Like he was... <laughs> So, like like a cheerleader there for a second. Just you, you, you would have thought that De'Aaron and DeMontis, I'll just put it like this, the shortest way to put this. You would have thought De'Aaron and De- DeMontis had played for five years together. They'd been playing since they were kids. That's how they looked on the court with one another, how much fun they were having. And credit to Sabonis for coming in and immediately being like, I'm the guy. I'm here for you. Let's have fun. They had fun. They had a lot yeah. of fun. I just- saw someone else mention this too, that like we talk about this is the best player that Fox would have played with. But it was like, even though Sabonis has been on good teams, like Fox theoretically is like the best player yeah. he has played with to date in in a sense too, um, just straight talent-wise. 
So I mean, I and Harrison that was... was like better than both of them. So go figure. Like Harrison was freaking amazing last night, which is Harrison's not my favorite. Like I, I, you know, but it really works when you have help, I guess, you know. Connor, you look like you had a thought. Yeah, I've been stewing on this because I've been thinking about it have. all day. I've been thinking about it all day. Okay, so the, the question that I'm curious about and I want everybody to weigh in uh, is the piece of Rashawn and Sabonis playing together. I, I've been going back and forth in my head all day because uh, I was at the game that the Kings played the Cavs. And if you guys have been watching the Cavs this year, they've been going to extremely big lineups with Jared Allen, uh, with Evan Mobley, and then with Mark and two, and they are huge. It's almost like, it kind of reminds me of like Syracuse when they play that zone defense and just have massive guys um, in the back line. And I'm curious if Sacramento can do something of that nature. Um, but, but of course, you know, the shooting aspect makes me very nervous offensively. But I'm curious everybody's thoughts on if that's possible to play them together um, at the same time and to do that kind of style um, that the Cavs have been doing, which is basically like you have two guys off ball who come and set a lot of on ball screens for Darius Garland doing something similar with Fox. Uh, and defensively, I, I actually, defensively, I'm not as worried. I'm more interested on, on the offensive aspect because of the shooting, the lack of shooting, you just sag on both of them. But I just was throwing that out there. Cause I've been thinking about that a lot. I think spacing uh, is- might be an issue. Like, I think the spacing would get a little funky, but there's also Damian Jones to kind of throw into the mix. And in some ways, I think you could maybe offset some of the spacing issues by having all three bigs. Um, but I'm not sure that Alvin Whoa. is that creative in game, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know that he takes many risks. Um, Wait, d- make, dive into that a little bit more. You want Damian Jones, Rashawn Holmes, and Sabonis all on the court at the same time? Well, I love, I think Rashawn Holmes' superpower is like his motor and his his drive, right? DeMontis's to me, would be his passing. So I think you have passing if you run everything through DeMontis, but uh, neither of them are natural three-point shooters. Damien, I think you could have him set up on the arc. He's a better three-point shooter. And now double, don't check me on that because that may not be true. But, um, and I even think you could do interesting stuff inside the key with those three huge bodies as long as you have cutting and movement on the outside, right? As long as you have like like yeah, like Mo and Davion on the outside. I think that could be really, really interesting. But and then also a man-to-man matchup situation with Cleveland specifically. I why not try it, right? I mean, unless we're trying to win every minute of every game, it's worth experimenting in my mind. And I I may have may have gone way too experimental there. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I get your point because Cleveland does use Markkinen, but his thing is he can shoot the three. So I think that's where it fits, like getting the other seven footer out there. Yeah. But it's like he can at least hit that consistently. I mean, and you said it like if you could get one of those guys to to hit that consistently, then it's not completely different. I mean, theoretically, than than what they have going on. But his I don't know if you saw his brother did put the question out to uh, Jason Anderson on Twitter. He res- he tweeted him and said, cause Jason put something up and he was like, do you think that they could um, play together? 
And I think Jason's thing was like, I don't know, but I'm kind of interested to see it. And that's kind of my thing. Like, it doesn't seem like it would work, but I mean, I know, I but know. do you Crazier look at the way that have happened? The Cavs have figured it out a little bit though. Like, right. and that's what's it's so shocking. It's everyone's I, mind. Yeah. I know. And it's like changing the way teams. And I'm wondering if maybe that's what maybe Monty McNair is thinking. That's why he kept Rashawn Holmes. He's like, look how successful this team has been by zagging. And I mean, mostly defensively because like, I just there you can't basically you can't get anything at the rim with those two guys. Now listen, Mobley and Allen are really good rim protectors, um, and they're huge and and really um, athletic as well. Um, so they can go out on smaller guys a little bit. Uh, I don't know if Sabonis and Rashawn can do that as well, but I don't. Know, I was just throwing it out there as a as a co- similar kind of comparison. But you're right, the Lori Markinen piece of it is is very big big in that threesome. Yeah, I mean it's it would be interesting to see. But I, they've also, I know, I think Ham said that they very clearly view the both of them as centers. And so I, I think oh. it depends on if they're willing to offer that. I mean, otherwise you have, you're going to have Rashawn be the best backup big, I think, on any roster. Like he, cause he could be starting on, on plenty of rosters at this point. And so, um, but you did see yesterday that they never touched the court together. And based on foul trouble, you might need them not to play together either because you saw both of them get fouls. And so um, if you're not going to play Len, which I would be playing Damian Jones over that, then you might need to to stagger it just for, for that alone too. Yeah. I would be very curious. I, I would like them to use this next couple of months since, since Rashawn Holmes is still on the roster just to do some experimenting. I mean, you don't really want anybody playing out of position. So if you do truly value them both as a five you know you don't necessarily want them to do something dramatic to alter that but i mean just realistically you have 48 minutes and you probably uh, you know barring foul trouble you probably want sabonis to play at least 35 minutes and that leaves 13 minutes for rashawn holmes if they never um you know if they never overlap and to me i mean rashawn holmes especially off the bench where he could you know potentially play you know i think he could get some quick buckets and and play really well against uh you know bench units I think that that would almost be like wasting him. So I, I think just just to maximize having Rashawn Holmes, I would like to see them at least get a little bit, you know, maybe 10 minutes a game to play together and see if it works. I don't know if it's a long-term solution, but, um, you know, just kind of give it a shot. Uh, I think you can make it work for, you know, depending on certain matchups. I, I think really what it comes down to is, I you know, I feel like the, the center is sort of a lost art, you know, and, it used to be everybody had a center and then, you know, even the Kings and Vladdy and Brad Miller, they, you know, they had the kind of twin towers thing. And, and now it's gone away where it's like, Oh, you shouldn't have centers at all. You know, everyone's a, a, a big man uh, and, you know, just kind of a generic big man. And, uh, you know, and then I've seen teams kind of go big and it's always like, who's going to cave first. Are we going to give into their small lineup and we'll go small. And it's like, it's like, do you set that tone first or do you give into what the other team does? So I feel like that's sort of what the, the Kings can kind of think about is, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, the Cavs kind of went like, let's give it a shot. We've got these two centers and, and they made it work. So the Kings can kind of make that same choice. It's like, what do we use them both and kind of force the other team to decide what to do with these two big men? Or do we kind of just give into what the league's doing and just use one or the other and that's it. So it'll be really interesting, but I do hope they do a little bit of experimentation as long as it doesn't throw off the whole um, dynamic of the team. 
Yeah, I still think the thing of why he wasn't dealt is, as we've seen with Monty, like maybe outside of the the DeLon Wright, Tristan Thompson thing, is he seems to be big on value light of, of I will hold on to guys a little bit longer and everyone will be pissed off, but I'm going to get the value in the end. And so maybe if like just we all figured the deals would be there, but I mean, maybe there really wasn't anything substantial or it, who know, maybe they could be trying to do right by Rashawn too, because they appreciate what he's done and, and none of the offers were right for either or of them. Um, and we did see, I know last off season, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but like before Memphis traded Val to the Pelicans, like they had, um, there was an offer for Bagley um, and like a first for Val or something like that. And so if he's thinking like, hey, maybe there will be something better come draft time that that works for both of us too. Like I don't have to do everything right now. Like we're okay if we play this out for the rest of the season. Rashawn, I've talked to him. He's okay if if we play this out. He knows, you know, his value. Um, and maybe there will be something better that that you can work with um in in the off season. Yeah. Mike. Because right Sorry. now you're you have I'm assuming you're keeping Barnes, but technically you have Barnes, Holmes, and all your first still. Like th- those are good. Those are still good assets. Yeah, we figured we'd be having to send some of those guys to maybe even get the all-star. So the fact that they still have those um, while not necessarily losing anything, I think that leaves his flexibility in the off season um, there. We have so many guys to play with now. I think that's part of what's fun. And they're all hopefully actually like NBA caliber talent like you know but i mean i haven't really seen much of trey lyles this year i haven't seen you know i haven't really watched detroit that's not my bag necessarily um so i'm excited to see all these guys and see i love that he flipped marvin bagley an expiring contract that we all knew you know exactly what he was for three guys that we get to check out it's like even if they're just lookers who cares? Even if we dump them at the end of the year, that's where Marvin would have gone anyways. So it's like, to me, that is just a brilliant use of assets, you know, is you just, you just maximize the numbers, you know, and I hope he does that in the draft. If he can't get good value there as well. Like I like the idea of trading down for more chances, you know? So, yeah. My two cents real quick on the Rashawn and DeMontis situation, not to shit on all of, the show on this parade, but I don't think Gentry may, you said it. He's not very, he doesn't like to push things. I don't think we're going to see that combination very much. If at all, I think that's too crazy in Gentry's mind to risk. Do I think they'll try it just to see what happens? Yeah. Why would you not? However, I don't think they're going to rely on that ever. And if it were to work, it would have to be because Sabonis really, really heavily facilitates and tries more than he normally does to stretch the floor. Cause he can, People act like DeMontis can't stretch the floor. He can. It's just not where he's at his strongest. Rashawn absolutely needs to be in the paint. Rashawn anywhere around the perimeter, unless it's, you know, anything outside of the push shot range, he's pretty much useless to you now. So if it works, it's because Sabonis is given space and trying to space things out. Uh, but however, the two strengths that these guys have, Rashawn doesn't get enough love for it. They're, we have obviously talked about it with Sabonis. They're great passers. Rashawn Holmes is a very underrated passer. I'm I'm mad sometimes that they don't let Holmes 
like facilitate further because he does have good vision, especially now with those goggles on, and he can he can pass. So if it works, I'm saying it works simply because both of them are good at passing the ball, at, at getting it to well, their Well, and don't forget that Alvin Gentry was the coach of the Pelicans team that had DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. True. So he has played two bigs together before like that, although everybody thinks Those guys I don't know, that Anthony Davis is technically a four or whatever. But, um, you know, that team, that year that they made the playoffs when DeMarcus got hurt, that team was fun as hell. He did some really cool things on offense. I watched a lot of those games. They had no fans in the building and nobody else watched it. But, you know, that was so it's in his bag, but he has a lot of other stuff to probably worry about, like maybe trying to save his job. If that's even I don't even know if that's in the cards in his mind at this point, but. You know, let me get to our what for me is would be my last question. I don't know if you guys had others you wanted to add. Um, overall, though, and what was a pretty entertaining and active two days, how would you grade Monty McNair's first real trade deadline? I don't really count last year, I'll count it this year. First significant moves as a general manager, how would you grade it? Connor, start us out. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard, right? It's, it's hard if you're trying to win now, right? It's an A. If you worried about the, the longevity of what the roster is going to look like in three to four years, right? Then you maybe think it's lower. So it depends on how you want to rate the roster down the road or if you want to rate it now. Um, I'm assuming there was probably, based on everything that's been reported and what it's pretty obvious, is uh, it was pretty much win now. So um, I think for that, uh, he got a two-time all-star who can pass. Um, and he's the, uh, the best player to wear number 10 since Mike Vivi. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see that number being relevant on the, in a Kings uniform again. It kind of felt weird to be honest. Like, Stop dissing I was like, Frank Mason, God damn it. <laughs> Sergio. Oh, wow. Uh, listen, Frank Mason was great. Uh, you Sergio Rodriguez, we can go down the line there, but, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see, uh, how these guys work together. And I think the, and not to drag it on too much longer here, but I do think, uh, that, it definitely opens things up for opportunities down the road. Like the center is probably the not like, if you think about with the deepest positions in the league, the center is the opposite. It is the shallowest position. In the league. There's not a whole lot of great centers. Um, and I think we have a, what a top five, top six, um, maybe top seven. If you, it depends on where you rate him along with like Rudy Gobert and that group. Um, that's, that's good. And now you can start filling out the other pieces of the roster. So, um, it's exciting. It's, it's definitely new. Um, we'll see how we feel about it in two years though. That's such forward thinkers all the time. Just live in the moment, live in the now. Well, okay? but you think about like in order for Monty to succeed, he's got to do this in two, right. two and a half years. Cause that's when Sabonis right. will be up to want to resign again. So he's got to make it show that it was worth making the move and th- him wanting to stay. So I'm excited about that. Like there, I mean, it's, you have a window now that you now have to, you've started that first piece. Like we said, do something to get on the road. Now you really have to move down that road. Well, they were a windowless house. You can look at it like this. They had no windows in this house. It was just dark and sad. Now they have a couple windows and some of them might even be open. You might've opened one of the windows to let in that beautiful air and that beautiful sunny day. That's just, that's, that's where we're at now. And I'm happy about it. It's nice to have some some view of something that's cool. Jill, what is your grade? Um, I'd probably say like a B plus. Okay. Around there. 
Um, no incompletes, by the way. No I mean, one can say incomplete. I, I, I guess, I mean, you could say B plus A minus, but I just, like I always say, I'm happy with this, but to me, it's not, it's not finished. You, you made that one move. Now I need to see the rest of it. Like, good job. You got the first piece, but it's not going to mean anything until you keep it going. Like, and I said that whether you kept Fox, whether you kept Halliburton, whatever, like whoever the focal point is, if you don't complete the build around them, people are just going to be pissed and say, you're putting up empty stats on a bad team and you've continued to not build around your one or two talented players. So um, I give him an A for getting an all-star, um, you know, a, the B, B plus for getting, you know, better pieces around. Like, I think you improved your, your other smaller assets, which is a win. Um, but now it's about filling out, you know, the rest of your plan. Meg or yeah. Trevor? I'll, I'll go. Um, I, I was going to say an A minus. Um, you know, I was just thinking, you know, a lot of fans going to, I think, kind of see win now as like some kind of bad word because it means like you have two paths, either tank or you win now. And I, I think, I mean, I, I don't think Monty sat on the fence at all. I think he made, he picked a direction, but I don't think he did anything that, you know, totally, you know, is, is all in, you know. So he, yes, he, he basically, is giving it a shot this year to try to make something happen. Um, and that might, you know, not allow this team to get a top four, top five pick like some people want anymore, but it doesn't necessarily, but he didn't give leverage any in the future. He has all his draft picks. He didn't um, obligate himself to, you know, taking on a bunch of new contracts. He still has a lot of cap space, a bunch of players that can go away this year at the end of the season if he wants, or he can resign them if he wants. A lot of flexibility this offseason, and he still has, as we've mentioned already, he has some assets that he can um, dangle, uh, you know, this offseason. So I, I think he did about as well as expected. I mean, which is kind of hard to It's a funny thing to say when my first thought after the Halliburton thing was like, oh, how could you, Monty? You're a terrible person. <laughs> Traded away the, the most joy that Sacramento's had in, you know, decades. But um but, you know, when you look at it, I mean, obviously we can't really grade it until like five years from now. We don't know how this is going to play out. And, you know, and as far as that actual Halliburton trade and any of these trades, you know, we always want to try to put a grade on it and pick a winner. But, I mean, you know, if Halliburton wins all-star games or wins, you know, gets all-star appearances and wins championships with the Pacers, that doesn't necessarily mean that we lost the trade. It, you know, it, it could be a win-win. Uh, you know, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think... <laughs> not to bring up Bagley Luca anymore, because I think we can finally put that to bed. But I think the reason that people were so hung up on Luca is because Bagley didn't work out. I think we would be less hung up on him if 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 Bagley was equally successful or or was doing something for the Kings that if led we were losing better. in the playoffs along with them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you know, I think really it's going to come down to, you know, with how these players do for this team, regardless of how the players that we sent away do, you know, but all things considered, I think a minus, I think the only thing that I would keep me from giving it an A or an A plus is, you know, Monty didn't really get a chance to put a bow on it, you know, because there's some extra pieces like Rashawn Holmes, there's kind of like that mystery of like, where does he go? What does he do? And, you know, we did have to cut a couple players instead of ideally maybe trading them to get a pick. But I mean, that's just, best case scenario, but I, I don't fault him at all for not trading Rashawn Holmes or, you know, I, I don't think he's a 
good asset. So I don't think you want to trade him just to kind of get him off the team if, you know, or maybe, you know, cause he, he will be a, an asset this off season. So I think Monty did just about as well as we could expect all things considered. And, and now we'll just kind of see how it plays out for the rest of this year. And then I'm very intrigued by this off season and the draft and free agency and get that, that coach to pair with it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the coaching search. Exactly. Yeah, I'd give him like a solid A, actually, like to be really optimistic. Uh, if I'm just grading him on the trade deadline, I think he saved his job. I think he put himself in line for a possible extension. I think he got an all-star for a sophomore who he drafted and developed. Um, and I think he flipped everything else for more chances at something good. And then he didn't give any future assets up aside from Tyrese and Tyrese's invaluable rookie contract, which is, that is a big deal, but you can't get an all-star without giving up something valuable. And then he, he took all the, the black clouds off the team too. Um, so I think he, I think he really knocked it out of the park. He may have left a trade on the table. I think there was like a lot of scuttlebutt about the Rashawn, pj washington thing or you know that might have been happening but like everybody has said here we really don't know if that was even on the table so so all b's and a's from the from the group yeah you know what i was thinking about too was like with the clippers when they traded um sga like for paul george right like an all-star no one was talking about SGA and his rookie contract and what he could be. I mean, they all, you know, love him on OKC now, but that's also because they had Kawhi and they were building something there. If the Kings can do that kind of thing here, like to me, it's, it's no different than taking this, those kind of swings where, like you said, you have to give up most of the time that young player. And usually in addition to picks, um, you know, that, that go out with it and they gave up. I want, like a bunch of first round picks, right? If I'm All not mistaken, yeah, I mean, so I'm not comparing this Sabonis to George, but I'm saying like to get an all-star, you usually have to give up the young guy with a bunch of, of things. And so like you were saying, well, I mean, and other teams often draft players that turn out to be actual NBA players. <laughs> like, and so that's the like thing, a right? Double yeah. hard hit for us that we have one guy that we drafted that looks like he's going to be something, but realistically, like, yeah, the Clippers look, the Clippers haven't even had their two best players for most of the year and they still have a whole NBA roster. So aspire to be that Kings, yeah. you know, aspire to have actual NBA players. Who can, and look what can happen. The first one we yeah. had, right? And look what you're able to flip it with. Like that's man. Need yeah. assets to get assets, Jill. You've said it for a long time. So the Kings just to update everyone after that one incredible, exciting franchise altering win yesterday. They are still <laughs> 22 or 21 in 30. Let me double check. 21 and 36. Uh, 15 games under 500, which is just insane when you say that and then say. They're also only two games out of 10th out of the play-in and then four and a half games out of the eighth seat. They're, they're right behind the Clippers, who they've beaten twice this year. They're 2-0 and against the Clippers. Upcoming for them, Saturday in Washington, that team's going to look a little different. The Nets on Monday in Brooklyn, also going to look a lot different. And then the Bulls on Wednesday, that's their three-game road trip, Washington, Brooklyn, Chicago. Chicago surprisingly didn't do anything. Everyone was expecting them to acquire a big 
uh, add some size. They stood pat, content with the really awesome year that they've had. Kings come back. They play one home game against the Nuggets, go right back out on the road for five road games. They don't have a lot of home games left, guys. It's most of their time on the road for the remainder of this year. That's how they're going to have to make up crime. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. I uh, I have yet to eat some dinner. I have a steak marinating. I'm pumped. I'm going to steak and some wine and celebrate what was a successful trade deadline day and a successful podcast with you guys. So closing remarks from our guests, if you will, say what's on your mind. Maybe give a final prediction for how the Kings are going to finish in case we don't get you back on in time. Whatever you want. Meg, no, you're shaking your head. No I'm scared to say it, but I think this we might have turned a corner, and I, that's my hope. I'm always overly optimistic until I'm not. But it's just bad teams are bad until you're not bad anymore, you know. And it sometimes it can be this simple uh, of adding talent, you know. And we've just needed to do this for so long. So I'm really excited. I'm really pumped. I mean. Yeah, I don't know that they can go out and win all these games on the road. But I think that even in the next, you know, the next two games will tell us something about about the the core emotional impact that these trades had on this team. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, we, what we always try to do is we always have like a roster of people that have this, you know, <laughs> supposed sack stink on them. And then we try to bring like one or two players in that have maybe a championship pedigree or something like a Harrison Barnes and expect them to sort of, you know, help. And then eventually they end up kind of having that same stink on them. And I think what we kind of did here is if we kind of over, you know, get enough players that are not in that Sacramento, you know, that aren't don't have that Sacramento experience to kind of overtake the few that are left you know, it can, I think it kind of start to filter down. So I don't think the wins are, I don't know if the wins are necessarily going to come. I don't know if they're going to be able to get into that 10th spot or not. Um, and I don't think it even really matters. I, I think ultimately what we just want to see some like a building block. And I think that these moves kind of set that potential there. And now we just want to see that building block actually go in. Um, so I, I don't know if I necessarily have a, a prediction per se, but I will just say that I, I, I think Monty sort of reestablished himself that he, I think he kind of knows what he's doing. I mean, I, we don't know exactly what he left on the table, but we do know what offers he did take. And um, he showed us that he definitely has some cojones <laughs> trading away someone who uh, is very, was well loved here. Um, and also Vivek approved it. I mean, maybe it was to get the idea of an all-star. I don't know, but you know, that's kind of a scary move and, and Vivek ultimately let him do it. So that says something, I think. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think I continue to trust Monty. Uh, the fact that he actually got anything for Bagley. I mean, I think if, if it had been a Bagley for um, Josh Jackson swap, that would have actually been even to me because it's like, well, a couple of sort of failed top picks, you know, just give them a new place to give an opportunity, take a flyer on for the rest of the year. And then, you, you know, you, then you also get Trey Lyles and, and Dante DiVincenzo. So, um, I, you know, and then obviously, and then just the fact that you could get anybody to take Buddy's contract. Uh, there's just a lot of things that I didn't think anybody would be able to pull off and Monty pulled them all off. Like, uh, very impressive. So anyway, we'll see how it all plays out. But I think it's been a good week in, in Sacktown, which is saying something the way this year has gone. All right, I'll, I'll. My prediction is that hopefully uh, next next time Sam records a podcast, he can figure out his uh, his camera 
Um, <laughs> it's, it's rookie move, man. Rookie move. I kind of uh, like it like this. Yeah. I've just been leaving the room, just walking around. The, I haven't even paid attention. I just come back when I hear it go quiet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the. <laughs> The, I mean, I, I'm excited. I, I don't know. I don't know what the expectation should be for this season to be honest. And like, I, I agree. I don't know if it really matters. Um, it obviously does, but like personally, I would rather us have a nice top pick uh, this off season because I still think this team is, is not quite complete enough to even be in the top seven, top six, I should say in the West um, anytime soon, which makes me nervous. Cause I, the playing's great and all. Don't get me wrong. Um, and being in it would be excellent compared to where we're where we're at now and where we've been. Um, but it's still a long way to go. And so I, I do think we're still a little ways away from that, despite having a two-time all-star in Fox who has shown that he's, you know, on the fringe of becoming one. Um it, it just the the asset game to me uh is a little more important than uh than making a, a play-in game uh this year. But I know that uh that's not huge in the in the uh, in the world of the Kings. But I will say, even adding these pieces doesn't necessarily even mean that we will consistently win. Like, right. even though we upgraded pieces, still doesn't mean we're going to be better than these other teams who are actually fighting for legitimate playoff spots um, ahead of us. Maybe they'll surprise us, but I would say even adding these little pieces, even if they lose, still puts us in a better position than where we were losing and you know like we could still get that that pick like unless they show me they start winning i'm i mean i don't necessarily think that that things will change overnight because i mean it's you know it's we could look good doing it but still lose i mean and that's that's a possibility too while while increasing our assets and still getting a top pick that that very well might still happen <laughs> The nice thing is you can Which make- would be the best of both worlds, technically. There you go. <laughs> um, for people that don't understand, if you make the play-in but don't actually advance, then you just you drop back where you were. So Kings can but make you're the play-in. Are you in the lottery? Yeah, you'll still, you, you still go to the lottery because you're not in the playoffs. It's just the play-in. Because you're, you're still one of the bottom. Sure, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's why, for me, it, my best-case scenario is you make the play-in, so we have a little exciting, meaningful, extra games that technically aren't actually playoff games, though. You lose, you have fun, hopefully it's a good contest, and then you drop into the 12th spot or 11th spot again and get another, or even higher potentially, if you just don't miss the, if you don't make the plan. And you get that one pick that you're talking about, Connor, because yeah, you held on to the pick for a reason. Monty held on to the pick, I think, as a failsafe. If this doesn't work, okay, whatever, I got my guy, and then I have a top 10, top 12 pick that I can re, you know, regroup this team and, and, and add a little bit of fuel into it in the offseason. And then re-sign DiVincenzo, and I don't know what else they're going to do. But And I think there's still something very much to be said for him wanting Fox to be in a not a losing mindset either. Right. Like, going forward. Like, that's as much as we care about the picks and all that stuff, I think there is something to be said for those guys to be, like we keep saying when they were, you know, thrown into the bubble that time, it was, we wanted all the smoke, but they couldn't handle the smoke. Like, we've yet to see this team be able to handle that. So for the first time, if they can prove that they can do that, to me, that's that is even a step mentally in in the right direction. Right. Good point. Well, I think we're going to end it there. This is our longest episode we've done in quite a while. We're approaching an hour and 25 minutes. So if you actually listen to this start to end, say something like comment, 
tell Jill and I, I owe you $10. I owe you a beer or something for staying the course on this. Uh, That's impressive stuff. And I think I speak for all of us when we are, as Jill's shirt says, we believe. I think we believe again. We're excited. Even if it's not something crazy this year, we believe in the path that the Kings have chosen. So busy day, fun week. Crazy to say, Trevor, like you said, that we could have a good week of Kings basketball that interests us and we're not just pissed the whole time, except for like the first couple hours of the Tyrese trade. Uh, Big road trip ahead. Me and Jill will be back to talk a little bit more Kings next week. Uh, Until then, Slater dudes.